Welcome to Gender Weird, the podcast where we ruin your favorite movies by calling them gay. This is Jane. And this is Vivian Strange. Today we're going to talk about Funeral Parade of Roses and Shinjuku Boys. These are two super queer films exploring the lives and identities of different Japanese gender weird communities. Funeral Parade of Roses uh, is from 1969, a Japanese new wave film by Toshio Matsumoto about underground gay boy culture. Um, We'll talk about that. And Shinjuku Boys is a 1995 documentary about trans mask sex workers in Shinjuku. The best way I'd describe Funeral Parade of Roses, because it is is a lot. It's it's one of my top, like, two favorite movies. I interchange between that and Mulholland Drive. What did I call it? A a hybrid gay boy documentary cum avant-garde retelling of Oedipus Rex. That sounds about right. Uh, That's actually what first drew me to Funeral Parade of Roses, was that... I was already familiar with Oedipus Rex. I had read it for my Western civilization class, uh, and I uh, saw Pasolini's film in Oedipus Rex. Uh, and then I uh, sought out uh, Funeral Pro Roses, and it was not really anything like I expected, honestly. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it it sat with me, and it sat with me really well. I think I saw it back in like 2017, and and of course I've had I had like gender and sexuality questions by that point but i kind of like kept that inside kind of like store that up inside and so kind of like film became my outlet to kind of like exercise my thoughts on all this for a while and my big thing with funeral parade was because the first time i watched it i just didn't (laughs) i didn't get it um it I, i may not have also been paying close attention but the second time i watched it um and really like knew what it was about and what it was going for the character of Eddie, we'll, we'll talk about the specifics, but basically Eddie is a trans femme uh, character. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's like Eddie, Eddie Puss kind of like a little bit yeah. of play. Oh my God, yeah. it, took me, it took me the longest time to figure that out. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, she is, uh, uh, her name is Eddie. She works as a performer in a uh, club. Um, the way she is framed, something I love, I love when trans people, uh, in particular trans women, are portrayed in, were portrayed as desirable and beautiful, because that's something I love about Euphoria, which we'll talk about that in a future episode, but like, the thing is, I, I very much treasure uh, films and just portrayals of trans women that are, and trans people that are allowed to be desirable and beautiful in a way mm-hmm. which i think both of these like films kind of go for whether it's trans feminine or trans masculine it's like Very there's much. just like this beauty behind people kind of like owning it owning it on their own terms and i think there's something yeah. beautiful about that to see them like seen as like this desirable force because like it's very empowering i didn't realize this till i actually started transitioning but men women whether it's straight men gay men straight women lesbians they all want a piece of of trans girl <laughs> yep um yep. we're uh we're it's it, it's just taboo to admit it but it's very mm-hmm. much there <laughs> um in the past trans people could like make a living off of sex work when no other job would hire them it's it, yep. it's it's because there's a market for it yeah exactly it's like uh same with um historically with uh 
uh, Jewish and Roma people um, being only allowed a particular range of professions because of, you know, uh, anti-Semitism and anti-Zeganism. But it it reminds me very much of that. But I think, like, what I like about, like, both of these films, like, in addition to, like, exploring, like, sex, love, gender, is just also, like, how much it affirms the trans experience. Both Mm -hmm. these films are documentary, or, or at least... (laughs) <laughs> well, one of them is a little bit pseudo documentary. Shajuku Boys is uh is is more of a, a straightforward documentary. It is just it just it uh, is, but there's something about it that almost like transcends like the general talking head kind of documentary type. And I and maybe yeah, it, it there's like this like there's a, there's a softness and intimacy to you know even when there's like really personal questions being asked in both of these films, but it's like people respond. And they respond, you know, according to their comfort level. And yeah. because at the end of the day, these are questions that cis straight people have for like in society, like the like trans feminine and trans masculine yeah. people. Um, and like personally, I'm better. I'm more OK with them asking these these questions in the context of a like documentary than the <laughs> than the, the real trans. Oh, for trans sure. I, I, I can't <laughs> even tell you how many times uh, I've had weirdos like at bars or whatever, just like come up to me and just start asking random questions one time i was like at, at a restaurant and this 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 guy was staring at me and and i was with my friend and then he just like comes up to me and just ask how i started growing my breast <laughs> my, my 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 weirdest case was uh, a friend of my mom's um oh that is not my weirdest case no 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 yeah like no i, I remember the first time i it really registered me that that awkward questions for trans people was when a friend of my mother's asked how do i pee do i pee standing up or sitting down and i and i thought that was just the strangest sitting down if anyone's interested um but same and it's been that way since i was little yeah i mean it's it's it just seems standing up just seems unsanitary it it just well i I mean in public (laughs) restrooms sometimes i you know sitting down it could be less sanitary you know i mean like yeah, but, but but no, like just that 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 was the question. Yeah, so that's just so weird. So now you all um, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the trivia, Vivian Strange trivia, um, Vivia, if you will. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, uh, funeral parade of, uh, of roses is it. It has talking head footage of it breaks the fourth wall like multiple times. It is. A very stylized and mm. uh, experimental in its editing and you know just framing and all that uh, but it is interspersed with talking head footage of uh both the trans performers in in the film um including peter the uh or peter the um the trans femme actor who plays eddie who has also played the fool in akira kurosawa's ron another um, gender weird director may i say Hey, yep, <laughs> we're going to yeah, we're going to go into Kurosawa more in a later episode. <laughs> but yeah, it's inter- interspersed with talking head footage of both the perform- trans performers in the movie and with uh, I-, I assume random uh, trans people in the street. Is that one thing that Eddie says that I or, or Peter says um, when she's getting interviewed? He's like, "Why did you decide to do this movie?" And and, and she's like, "Well, because I relate to the character uh, and I think it portrays gay boys beautifully." And like, well, like I said, that that fucking resonated with me um, as one of the reasons why I was so uh, drawn to it initially. But um, perhaps we should, since uh, we keep saying it, haven't really explained it, what gay boy means. The uh, in a funeral, pretty roses, like like the trans feminine 
uh, people, whether it's drag, um, everyday, like, gender expression, whatever it is, they're referred to as gay boys. Um, and, but something to keep in mind is the way that the interviews are conducted. These, this is in the late sixties in Japan. It's not the West. It's Japan. Mm -hmm. And, but the way that we watch it, unless we know Japanese, like we watch it with subtitles, subtitles that are most likely not made by queer people. So there's like a little bit of this, like in between, I don't entirely trust the subtitles, but also it doesn't really matter because how we understand things is very much cultural. And I think that's something that people don't really consider when they look at something like Funeral Prairie Roses and are like, oh, I don't like how they're called gay boys because they're, they're totally trans films. Am I right? It's like, okay, but yeah, culturally and historically, we have to understand something here. After the United States bombed Japan and the war ended and in the United States kind of like basically like entered the country and kind of just like took it over and in some ways and, and was and occupied it, you know, for that stretch of time, mm -hmm. you know, in both some good, some bad ways, like Japan kind of went through this like complete ideological and national like point of introspection and change their identity own, crisis in a way, say. in a way, because well, basically like, the United States basically imposed like a new identity onto them, but at the same time, they were also seeking change. Japan also started consuming kind of like more Western values and, and like following World War II, that's when the whole new interest in Japanese film and, and arts and theater um, kind of like entered like the West as well. Basically, we, we rehabilitated their image to our liking, the United States did. And then following, following mm -hmm. the occupation period, Japan kind of like was more independent and they and they went through their own kind of like reevaluation of self and trans yeah. identities or gay identities whatever you want to call it we'll get into the specifics in a moment they have always been around whether it's internal or external underground or mainstream they've always been there and they always will be there for as long as the human race like exists and gender is still a thing that's around there's always going to be those that deviate. So the, some of the trans feminine identities that emerged in Japan, not really on a mainstream sense, but a relatively larger underground sense, uh, is like that entered the discourse and, and was kind of like absorbed, uh, you know, observed and kind of written about, some, you know, sometimes by Western critics as well. It was, there was like the trans feminine identities of Okana, gay boy, Baru boy, and Nayuhaju. Now there's a chance that I'm mispronouncing some of this, so do forgive me. Disclaimer, um, disclaimer. We are we are two white American girls uh, talking about stuff that is probably a bit out of our depth. Just just so everyone knows. <laughs> I can I can study Japanese culture and literature, film all I want. I can live with Japanese people. I can date them. I still am an American at the end of the day, and I and I'm not from japan but uh but this is kind of like how i how i'm understanding it a lot of the criticism that i've seen towards like funeral Pride of roses either comes from it being dated but oftentimes it unknowingly comes from a very ethnocentric place a very american-centric place where basically yeah. it's like oh we shouldn't call them gay boys because we don't call them gay boys it's like yeah it's it, it sounds like it it, it 
it literally sounds like a derogatory uh like thing that 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 we're called right it's like the language of the time it may be dated today but these identities like it should not go overlooked in contemporary transgender discourse and that's a mistake that i've seen being made is like i get at one point in time to call these people transvestites or just gay people it's not like the biggest deal but how we understand it now like in the west it's like i've seen some people just pass them off as like cross-dressers but it's like okay but they're transvestites every day. They even say at one point, I remember they're uh, they're talking in the um they're talking in the club and with with you know the guys and the guys are talking about this uh you know the gay bars gay bars are different now. Uh, one of the girls is like, uh, oh, t- don't look at us, we're 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 some of the real ones. Um, which is, is something that's also in uh, All About My Mother mm-hmm. by Pedro Maldivar. A similar uh, sentiment is echoed by um agrado you know she's like oh my god the the fucking drag queens are taking all are taking all our work um it's a uh, it's funny because her role was actually played by a, a cis woman which is interesting but we'll talk about pedro maldivar and all about my mother on a future episode but uh but yeah so like the language is not a hundred percent it's this was over 50 years ago this was over 50 mm-hmm. years ago and that's something we, when it comes to like things with language, because I'll, I will admit, when I recognize these characters as being trans femme in, in a way that, that I understood, you know, I understood my own gender identity, I recognized myself in them, and it irritated me mm-hmm. seeing them be called, you know, gay boys, and, and, and even calling them, uh, calling themselves that, and it's like, right. but, but, but it's weird, I had to move past that, uh, you know, to appreciate it, because uh, one, the film was, not attacking me. Um, oh no! And for it's for one, exact opposite. Um, and uh, and like uh, Peter herself said that the way the film does portray them is beautifully, and that's like that's that's important. Languages. It, it, it's like the gay boy identity. It's not exactly aligned with like the common understanding of orientation and gender and contemporary Western culture. But there is like this emphasis on like throughout the film of simply rejecting such fixed definitions. So it seems like, like, according to these interviews, mm-hmm. gay is not, like, necessarily synonymous with homosexual, and boy is not necessarily synonymous with male. But it's, like, it's something of note is that, like, this mm-hmm. term, gay boy, it, it, its its etymology is linked to the Western world. Um, according to, like, something that I read, it's, like, the word gay, it refers to, like, effeminate and or, like, homosexual men. But it was popularized in the late 1950s and throughout the 60s, but... In Japan, it's like it's likely due to the linguistic parallels to the word geisha as well. So, like the word gay designates not sexual mm-hmm. orientation, but yeah. a kind of artistic performance, female impersonation, in, in, in a sense. And yeah, if this idea like stands the test of time in gender, sexual, and drag performing identities, like the boy and gay boy, it, did, it may not actually contradict itself if audiences are like meant to view these characters as merely female impersonators or like men in drag but then at the same time what this film is doing it, it, it's not saying that these are just transvestites cross-dressers whatever you want to call them these gay boys they you can recognize them as, as like trans women but i think more than anything what this film is doing is much like it's challenging the dualism of documentary and fiction filmmaking it's also challenging the dualism of male and female we can recognize these people as like female but like the differences between men and women, there is a blurred line. And to say the least. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
just going back to 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 old old Judy Judy Butts. Um, <laughs> uh, Judith Butler. Um, uh, is gender is gender is just performance, like across the board, every way in which it manifests, and just all the modes in which it exists in are modes of performance, and. Really, Funeral Parade and uh, Shinjuku Boys really gets into and like I it like reinforces is the fact that you know male and female are subjective when you approach gender as a performer and someone performing it, and mm-hmm. we all that's how we all approach gender, even if we we even if we aren't conscious of it. It's gender is something that each and every one of us performs. Now, some people have a, uh, a a simpler time because the whatever expression, whatever means of performance they feel they feel most comfortable with is that which is socially sanctioned. But many, many, many of us need to need to I'm not going to say work harder at it, but we need to like you know put more into it, including both you know trans women, uh, gay boys, um, drag queens, even like drag is. Uh, drag is drag is a whole thing. Well, drag it's like what like Butler was saying is that basically it's like drag like blurs the lines between the distinctions of what a man and woman can be because mm-hmm. it's like gender and sex are both like socially constructed. They're based off of certain variables that are like grounded in like um, observable like psychology and stuff. But at the same time, it's it, it's a very much a social thing to lump, mm-hmm. you know, to designate woman versus man so on and so forth and something like drag it's like it, it, it's it's like a freeing kind of like blurring the lines between the two i actually went to this drag show with a friend of mine not too long ago and basically like what and she's from like a culture that where basically it's like gender is very segregated so she took a lot of fascination out of it because it's like it's a performer on stage and, and like they may be a girl they may be a guy we don't know for sure but then they're doing the splits with the, while tucking and it's like it, it, it's like hey it's testing us it's testing us hard because because you know yeah you know a straight even a straight man they, they may find like this person attractive or the idea of drag mm-hmm. attractive and they may not want to acknowledge that yeah. and Vivian, how, how how much different do you think drag is from transness? Drag is like what it what it does for me. What I appreciate about it is, uh, like you said, it it exposes the the nature mm-hmm. of gender as a performance thing. We 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 realize like we see drag queens, um, guys dressing up as women and performing femininity. Like we see that drag is the expression of you know guess what womanhood is. At the end of the day, it's just a costume, just like masculinity is. Politically, the distinction is, uh, I guess, important. Although, honestly, actually, no, fuck that. The 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 political distinction is uh, increasingly irrelevant, especially given how the the people who want to exterminate us, the gender fascists, um, are coming after trans people and drag performers alike one thing that drives me up a wall is like on social media sometimes i see like i see people make arguments that like oh if you notice how people are attacking trans people today they're using a lot of the same rhetoric that they were using towards gay people in the 70s or you know during stonewall and all that or aids and i'm just thinking like okay but they're going after gay people now Mm -hmm. we are all the same to them anti-drag bills like 
yeah, it hurts trans people, but it's it's hurting gay people and gay people that are just like kind of like on the trans critical side. It's like they 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 are useful idiots for homophobes like yeah. ultimate gain. We just we are the same to them. We're we're all if we want <laughs> if we want to get down to it and speak frankly, um whether we are whether we are women or men who dress up as women or you know men who perform women we're all faggots to them. Yeah. At the th- end of the day. That's like, it's like, they act like it's like, this is history, but it's, it's happening all over the world, including the United States right now for gay people. Yep. And it's like, as far as I'm concerned, all transphobes are also homophobes and all mm-hmm. homophobes are also transphobes. All of them. Homophobia is transphobia is homophobia is transphobia. And honestly, I think, uh, misogyny is also a a a component of that because you know really when we when we break things down it's like people would say that like you know trans people are are being seen as groomers and all that and and they're looked at as pedophiles just like how um you know this isn't true of gay people when when they're saying that it's about gay people it's like they're still saying this about gay people these arguments are still being used against gay people Mm -hmm. it's like yes anti-queer culture it targets trans people especially trans women and especially trans women of color the most Mm -hmm. but anyone that pays attention should know that gays aren't safe yep it's like in chess the more vulnerable pieces are often taken first Mm -hmm. there's no pragmatic separation of transphobia from homophobia it's very connected gay men are very much targeted anti-drag bills limit their expression and demonize their culture and history homophobes are still pushing for states to decide who can marry date sleep with who and trans people are easier targets because culture is still relatively unfamiliar and those dumbass feminists that find skewed ways to justify the transphobia they're useful idiots for fascist christians conspiracy theorists all of them yep and they're home it's all homophobic and there's 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 some and there is some utility and rhetorical distinction but the queer community in my opinion it needs to focus less on the specificity of labels that are by the way are all incredibly fluid and create division and more on the unity of community trans women hot take are gays as far as mm-hmm. cultural history yep. and politics are concerned, transphobia is homophobia. One affects the mm-hmm. other and cannot be separated. In the during the Holocaust, uh, gay men and trans women were both branded with the pink triangles. So we're pedophiles, though. Oh yeah, and so we're and so we're pedophiles. It's there's it's no all, difference to them. It, like, we are all the same to them. And it's like people on the internet, especially, it's like they, they they feel the liberty to say whatever dehumanizing things that they want about like another person, and they don't even people that they don't even know and some will do it under the guise of like virtue left-leaning people are not mm-hmm. immune like gays especially gays no, especially not even by gays i'm including trans people gays especially will be targeted by others mm-hmm. even by other gays they'll go after a gay person they'll find reasons yep. to ridicule them to dehumanize them to chew them up and spit them out and they want to play police and exercise their will yep. to power another person and so the easier targets will be targeted Yep. And like, and that's, that's, that's kind of like one of the whole, uh, one of the whole like central, uh, guiding principles behind the, the concept of gender weirdness is, is recognizing that we are all on the same side of the line. We're all on the same side of the line that, uh, the status quo, the, the, the violent, violently enforced status quo is against. We're all in the same camp. Uh, and it, we're, we're the weird ones. To think we're separate from others, um, 
it, others in like, you know, other gender weird, gender weirds, uh, is frankly, I think it's ar- arrogance. It, it, it's arrogant, um, but also I feel like it can, it can be, it can also be at the service of division that right wingers want to do. That That's why you see so much like, you know, gays against groomers, all that, it, it, where it's like LGB yep. without the T or LGB, LGB without the TQI, you know, yeah. erasing the the transness from the equation, which yeah. is like, okay, so where do trans people fit then? And at the end of the day, it's like they, it's like these are the gays that we tolerate. Everything else yep. is like a clown show. Um, no, we're all gay. <laughs> we're all gay, and we're all gay homos at we're the end of the gay. day. <laughs> Absolutely, and we're and you know, and th- and this is the way that we have to look at things because like people are not so fixed everything is fluid and that's where you know in the wake of deicide basically liberal humanism you know like came up and it and then eventually people realize that you know to that it's it's too individualistic and we need to kind of like look at things on a more like realistic level modernism came about postmodernism came about postmodernism like it is like it, it challenges like the uh essentialism and that's what, and this film, Funeral of Peter mm-hmm. Roses, is very much a postmodern text. Because guess what? Gays are postmodern. And yep, queerness itself. Queerness, it challenges norms, it challenges hierarchy. And that's what this, that's what this film is all about. It's, it's about challenging those, like, binaries, dualisms. You know, it talks about, you know, that we all wear masks, and we wear masks underneath masks effectively you know we all function in society like like performing in one way or another you know it's the reason why it's like pseudo documentary is because like there are moments of fiction but it's like intercut with like the real footage but everything is real because the way that we act in society is we perform who we who we are is inseparable from and is is dependent on what we do uh i just want to make it clear uh drag today as opposed to drag of yesteryear, yester century, um, especially the time period that Funeral Parade of Roses takes place in, um, and even Shinjuku Boys in the 90s, uh, for that matter. Drag today is different from and cannot be conflated with drag of the past because we live in a we live in a post-RuPaul world. I, I, I'm sorry, I hate drag race. I, I fucking hate drag. I hate the commodification of drag that's taken place over the last, like, uh, decade. It has, if nothing else, uh, some people, some people call it drag for straight people, which, yeah, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> for straight audiences at least, but mm-hmm. all, that commodification, uh, also allows, I feel like it allows its, you know, straight or more normative audiences to distance themselves from us. Like, it turns us into spectacle for them to consume, rather than challenging challenging its viewers and the people it performs for uh rather than challenging them it's spectacle and uh show for profit not a means of challenging people to you know moving them towards gender liberation the way that judith butler was like talking about drag is that drag like it illustrates like the potential for gender subversion while also spotlighting like the instability of gender itself it's deconstructive in a way Mm-hmm. Um, and but and also liberating through that deconstruction, and I think that that's more what we should aim for, and that's what Fiona Pride of Roses is aiming for. Oh, they call them gay boys. Who cares? We're all yeah, gay. like for fucking real. Get over. We're it. all gay. If Dare you... I say it? I think a trans woman has more in common with a gay man than they do a straight woman. 
it's a that is a contentious thing to say, but like I I totally agree with you. In my experience and the experience of most ugh, most trans women I've met, I we have I feel like we have so much more of a common ground with and uh, experiences in common with queer men than than like than like straight cis women because i mean there's definitely some like overlap that we may have with like straight women uh, yeah of of course of course and like and let that not be used as a as a way for gender fascists um i refuse to call them turfs uh right because it's like the the radicalness is like in contention and so is the feminism (laughs) so like yeah it's like i'm sorry you can't be a feminist and not well be an anti there are a lot of feminists that are like radical feminism was like something that came about like years ago that's very like yeah feminism itself is a kind of um dated it can be a very <laughs> I, i'd say neoliberal but, thing you know so we can equally exploit women as much as we exploit men in the workforce but yeah like let 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 this 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 statement not be used to uh as as fuel for their fire that trans women aren't really women what is a real woman exactly what is a real woman like uh i mean Ma- matt walsh doesn't know um i take issue with the notion that real woman is a thing. Yeah. It's about, uh, it's the same as a real man. No, there's not such thing as that. Gender is a performance. It's a performance we put a lot of, based off of, of stock in. Based off of cultural approximations. Uh-huh. Um, it's, we build our identities on it and it's very precious to us. That way we're very defensive over it, dare I say, but that doesn't change the fact that it is fluid and performance at the end of the day. And the same with straightness in some way, and and would you say, mm-hmm. and and uh, cis. Oh my god! Cis-ness. Like he- heteronormativity is so cis heteronormativity is performance I- I- itself. Like like that's that's to be a straight man, you have to perform. You have to perform homophobia, and perform transphobia and misogyny. Like that is that is the demands of the performance of of cis heteronormativity, and. You know that that kind of sucks. <laughs> it it does suck, but it's ultimately the reality that so many of us live in. I I hope at the very least, like this performance for straight people, it's passive. I just can't think like them. But maybe yeah. I do. Maybe I do. You know, maybe I feel like gender probably affl- is a, it's an affliction for everybody to in one way or another. Yeah. Especially, it's an affliction we all share. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, that's this is why we should push against gender essentialism. There's nothing. It, mm-hmm. okay, because, like, I don't like the idea that, you know, men and women be observed, like, and kind of separated based off of fertility. Yeah. And, and, and kind of, like, it, it, it's, it seems ridiculous and limiting, like, the way that gender fascists, like, ultimately aim for is, like, like, by reducing women to, like, fertility, it, it, it just, it, it maintains the hunter-gatherer, like, dichotomy. Like with no deviation, women are breeding stock to them, and that's because you look throughout like history, the history of civilization and hegemony and control is that's what women are. That is, they are breeding stock. Property they exchange. Are, property exchange. They are the the means of production for generating new labor, generating new a new new labor force. Because really, that's what it is. Like people people want to talk about, uh, oh, we need we need heterosexuality and 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 shit for the the continuation of the species. It's like. Motherfucker, we do not need to worry 
about <laughs> like uh, dying out in in that way. We have no problem. We have never had any problem with having more kids. That is a fucking myth that that we need to like continue the the species and whatnot. The incentive for perpetuating the species is a myth that power came up with to get us to produce as as much free cheap labor as possible and like ultimately that's what it comes down to that's why society wants you to marry and reproduce is because it creates more of a labor force that can be exploited um and that's how like and that's where family functions and that's how it that's and, how but basically you know this film it's, it's a deconstruction of gender reality the family the family oh yeah do you want <laughs> shall we talk about the family well let's just get into the oedipus uh the oedipus Oh, I was gonna say edible complex, but it's, it's honestly just like the Oedipus story. Yeah, for real. Um, so yeah, the uh, spoilers for uh, Funeral Parade, I guess. Um, Eddie is has flashbacks through throughout the the whole the whole thing to uh, an incident where we learn she murdered her mother because her mother was a fucking bitch who <laughs> uh, <laughs> she she was <clears throat> she was transphobic and was was not supportive of. Uh, of Eddie and was also just kind of a huge fucking bitch. <laughs> um, she killed uh, her mother and uh, her mother's lover, and she lost her father when she was young. He like abandoned them or whatever. She learns that er, that that her boss, um, the guy who runs the club that um that 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 she works at, um, who was previously dating the the the, the previous madam of the uh, of the club, and now is Eddie. Eddie is the new madam. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end and she's dating the owner and whatnot and it turns out that's her estranged father um and honestly i think it's weird that he doesn't recognize her like i know she's a girl and everything now but like (sighs) come on the oedipus thing happens uh you know they realize what happens guy guy kills himself and takes out his eyes uh, her eyes i guess it's it's a very interesting subversion of that uh of the oedipus story wherein a guy uh kills his father and supplants him and marries and fucks his mom um it's a, it's a, it's a gender swap in some ways but but i mean mm-hmm. that is yeah. if we look at eddie as female yeah exactly and if it, it forces us to do that it changes the paradigms of straightness to queerness even if you could make the argument that you know a man with a trans woman trans femme is like uh that's like some people will call that straight but it, the paradigms are different. They're they're changed. We could say otherwise, but socially they're changed. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, a, a very very interesting thing about um about the the parallels to the Oedipus uh the Oedipus story um that I find very interesting about Funeral Parade of Roses is its parallels to Psycho which came out, mm-hmm. out nine years previously. Um, because Eddie is very much a... The, the film is, like, from her perspective. Right. We are, fr- yeah. from the get-go, we are compelled to sympathize with her and be invested in her story and her well-being. But but when, when we look at them, when we step back and look at things, like, the kind of character she is, she's very... Has a lot in common with Norman Bates. In the, uh, you know, if we, if we look at Norman Bates as being, like, a gender-weird trans femme egg or, or whatever which you know let's, let's just allow that for for a bit um who has is conflict and issues with with uh with mother that winds up in um 
mom and her lover being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the, the, and there are, there are superficial, uh, there are some superficial, like, you know, references and similarities. Like, the, so the film opens with this really, really, this is a hot scene for the, this is a very horny, sexy movie. Um, just so everyone knows. But, um, it opens with a, uh, a sex scene between her and the guy, well, the owner of the club that her, her father. Um, <laughs> and, but it is, it is incredibly erotic and, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's really hot. Um, but then afterwards, she's in the shower. And we get like a pan, a circle pan around her, and she's. This is one of the instances where she's framed as being desirable. She's a hot naked woman in a shower, and then we see her her breasts or her you know lack thereof. She's pretty flat chested. That is like the reveal that oh, guess what? Actually, and it it kind of is. It feels like a an inversion of or a sub- subversion of Psycho in that uh, you know yeah, you yeah. have yeah the the shower scene of course where. The woman's space of safety is 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 invaded by the you know and, and and all that like Eddie is the woman in the shower, um, and the reveal is not at her expense. Also, like just at the end when uh, Homie kills himself, uh, and he's he's bleeding all over the bathroom and, and shit. He even grabs the shower curtain and pulls it down. Oh uh-huh, yeah, like, do you think that's a deliberate thing? Oh, like I th- I think it was deliberate. Like by 1969, there is no fucking way that. <laughs> Guy didn't see Psycho. I, I I think I believe there's a possibility that uh, Kubrick did not see uh, Funeral Parade of Roses. It's very but... unlikely that he saw it, and especially saw it with English subtitles. Um, people will say that A Clockwork Orange was inspired by Funeral Parade of Roses. It's like he was already well into production by the time that this came out, and it didn't have such a wide release. Also, Funeral Parade of Roses is like so much better than A Clockwork Orange. Uh, much more worth your time, and it's shorter too. And I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but like, it, it doesn't hold a candle. It's not. It's, it's not gender g- weird, also. It is. <laughs> yep, it is. It is very gender weird. Um, but uh, there's no way Matsumoto didn't hadn't seen or wasn't in some way familiar with Psycho, and that that's why I like Eddie as because if you think about it, Eddie does fit the profile of the <laughs> the tranny killer. Um, but mm. the way it is framed and the information is, is, is given to us and the way the story is told in Funeral Parade is one that incurs sympathy for her. Like, honestly, right. when she kills her mom, when we see her kill her mom, I, I mean, I, I was at least, I was rooting for, I was rooting for her. Um, <laughs> right. And, and, and I would argue that like Psycho is kind of like a call to empathy in some way towards like Norman's like drama. Yes. Like the kills are not meant to be agreed with but it's it's out of his control also. yeah yeah that's uh we we discussed uh psycho it's like fate a it's like it's like fate and... basically like yeah. it's, it's, it's like destined to do this and i feel like what matsumoto is is expressing in um funeral pretty roses is it's, it, it, he's playing with myth he's playing with you mm-hmm. know this like this story and he's basically Using it, it's subverting it, deconstructing it, and, and kind of like making an argument that um, the family is destined to destroy itself. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, dichotomy. All dichotomies, essentialism is what we kind of seen as strong and good. Order is destined to destroy itself, mm-hmm. and that includes the order of documentary, fic- you know, fiction. The real performance at the end, I I read that like when she comes out, you know, with blood coming out of her eyes and, and, and the knife in hand, 
that that the crowd that witnesses her a lot of that was like allegedly kind of like like not extras just people, people on, the, on street, the street that there's there's like there's like this blurring between the lines and is that and i think that this this film is very much a deconstruction of reality and gender and that includes how it manifests in the family mm-hmm. it includes how it manifests in kind of like our genre distinctions between comedy and tragedy you know this is a queer tragedy in some ways yeah. which i've seen people take issue with like the queer tragedy as a concept that that gays should not be punished and yes, moving forward, I am going to say gays to refer to trans women as well. Yeah, because we're 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 gay, y'all. Just 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 get over it. Um, even if you're even if you're straight, sorry, you can't be trans and not queer. That's not how this shit works. Um, we can we can we can like go down to the specificity of labels, but like uh, to quote John Cameron Mitchell, you know that comes out of capitalism because if you can label it, you can sell it. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that people should just like ignore or just kind of like set aside their non-binary identities or, or any of that. But it, it, it's, it's worth noting that we can understand ourselves through approximations, through labels. I mean, I, I'd rather call myself like a trans woman than I would like anything else. Like I don't call myself a gay man. Yeah. But like we can opt for like these labels, but at the end of the day, we should also understand that they are fluid and they are malleable and they're malleable for everybody. Uh-huh. And that malleability is what funeral parade is all about. Yeah. Uh, it's they're they're malleable and fluid. And the, when it comes to the, the people and the systems that want to eradicate us for our weirdness, for our deviance from their norm to them, we are all the same. And that's something that's something that we 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 cannot lose sight of. Trannies or faggots? Yep, <laughs> the, the party of the trannies and faggots. Uh, that's us. With gay tragedy, with queer tragedy, it's it's like can be condescending, and especially in the last like couple decades, is it is commodifiable. That I think is the issue with it, with the the creation of films and 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 just you know stories uh, about queer characters that are rife with tragedy and and whatnot. It's the fact that they are that they make companies money that they make money for those mm-hmm. in power uh is the problem and i i i hate to admit, i hate to admit that that's like commodifying queerness but then at the same time it's like i think like representation can be good because like you know proper representation can kind of like help like alleviate the stresses that you know gays go through you know our existence in society our relation to society it is a tragic story. Yeah, that's that's another thing. That's that's kind of like why I'm very much pro queer tragedy because, like, you know, at the end of the day, we are an oppressed minority, mm-hmm. and and you know what? And like, they're gonna try to divide us, whether it's through more labels or through or through cutting ties from certain labels. You know, trying to sort the good ones from the bad ones, calling us pedophiles, calling us groomers. You know, and yeah. I think at the end of the day, we have to like say, "Hey, we're gay, and they want to kill us. They are killing us. We're gay, and we're not going anywhere." Because that was another thing about uh, these movies that that really got to me and like just thunderstruck me is the words have been different, uh, words and times have been different, but we have always been here in some form or another. The gender weird. Uh, gay people queer people trans people of of all sorts we have always been here our identities and performances have always sprung up in response to the society around us 
and it is a society that has been consistently um, throughout history uh, oppressive, and we we can't forget that because it's it's important. Is art? Yes, I do want to see stories of queer joy. Um, I love them. I love them as much as anybody does. Well, I feel like those can also be distractions from the issue, though. Yeah, the issue of our inherent tragedy. Yeah, yeah, like and. The balance, the balance is 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 the tricky part because even a story, even stories of queer joy, there has to be an some kind of something there that connects to the real world, the real world in which none of us are safe. It's funny because, like, you know, just this film does like challenge dualisms, but I would honestly also argue that *Funeral Prey*, as much as it is a tragedy, it is also a comedy. It's hilarious, but also just in the traditional sense of comedy of, of mm-hmm. like it being like joyous and uplifting and celebratory because you know that oedipus stuff that's that is performance it's a performance uh-huh. and, yep. and and the real stuff you know it's it's being able to do that to able to capture that the meta narrative of funeral parade of roses is literally a the filmmaking crew and, and these performers making an adaptation of oedipus rex it's very so even at the end when we're when we're stricken by the tragedy like oh this is terrible this is how, how her story ends well but we know it's it's just a it's just a performance it's just the story that's being told we know that peter is uh, a real person that all these girls lita lita didn't die she is a she's a a, a a gay boy named rabbit who is so fucking adorable and uh and gay i mean i I, th- I think that she likes girls she she was like i'll leave it up to your imagination that's what my imagination says um <laughs> i i had seen funeral parade years ago it's been my favorite movie for quite a while um but i only just saw shinjuku boys for the first time mm-hmm. last night um at time of recording um most of our conversation uh today in this in this episode at least has been um on trans people who are like you know, more trans feminine uh, trans feminine folks. Um, but Shinjuku Boys is if it, it follows uh three, how we'd understand trans mask sex workers. Um, Whoa, are they sex workers? Yeah, and it, it, it's cool because the thing I I love about it is like the sex work in particular is it is a profession that allows each of them to present and perform gender the way they want to, and you know make it work for them. Because, right, but not all of them are actually having sex, though. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, exactly. And honestly, like, when it comes to sex work, there's there's so much of it that is just not actual sex. It's um, Sometimes it's, like, gender performance in some ways. Triggering does not necessarily even, you know, require a yeah, sexual transaction. It's, it's, per, it's, it's performance. It's, it's uh, a, a companionship um, of sorts. Because, like, honestly, I think that's really what people want really what people want at the end of the day intimacy um, they want they want to feel loved and appreciated and they want comfort and they want to share that comfort with yeah. another person or people yeah and thanks to capitalism that is a product that can be bought which is a very mm-hmm. cynical way of putting it and looking at sex work but i mean let's call call a spade a spade that's what it is um and so like this film shinjuku boys it follows like three onabi or like trans trans masculine people mm-hmm. And kind of like their everyday journeys and like funeral pretty roses, it's like it interviews them, it interviews them and like it asks these questions and but it's like or just follows them around, you know, when they're with like their friends and, and girlfriends and stuff. Onabi refers to like both like butch lesbians and like trans masculine, trans men 
in Japan. One of the three that we follow is like kind of like describes themselves as the West would understand as non-binary. And, mm-hmm. and, and some yep. of the, you know, gay boys in Funeral Parade are also kind of like fall outside of that. Maybe some of them don't want to be gay boys forever. They don't know why they chose to be a gay boy. And here it's like, you know, one of them is like, you know, I'm not exactly, I'm not really a, a, a woman or a man. I don't really care. You know, I'm cool with what, it, with what I, with what I do. I'm, I'm just yeah. me. And there's I'm also like me. this, this, this relationship between two, um, I wouldn't say asexual, but they don't like, they don't like penetrative sex, but like the, uh, there's a, there's a trans, man that's dating a a trans woman as or a like, probably a gay boy in a, in a, a nobby like i guess when, when, god when we come down to like stripping away gender performance and whatnot it's they're they're people and really the only significant and quote-unquote uh differences between it's, it's, it's the genitals we're obsessed we're obsessed with genitals we want to know what's in people's pants mm-hmm. like at, at, at all times like because that's if we're if we're really being honest that's what gender is code for when the whole labels of AMAB and AFAB, um, assigned male at birth, assigned female at birth, um, are the whole point of those is it's like they, they want to know, did you have a dick when you were born? And it's it's that's something that's always always been been weird to me, um, because the way I, I heard someone refer to it on on Twitter in a particular way that just changed my fucking life like forever. <laughs> um, innies or outies. Because, you know, again, it's the same. Belly buttons? Yeah, like like, like belly buttons. Because when you come down to it, that's about as significant a difference as it is. When you when you take out the whole, we need to reproduce thing. Um, Which is a very, like, kind of, like, misogynistic kind of thing to say that that's what women must do. Like, even if we're just talking yeah. about cis women, just to say that, like, they're they're breeders and bleeders. It's, uh, it almost sounds like you're talking about them like they're cows. You know, uh-huh. like they're cattle. Um but it, like any innies and outies i guess i was just naive at one point i thought that you know when i start transitioning i thought like if guys were attracted to me they'd probably be gay guys or whatever but it's been straight people and but they also are just fascinated like wow you look like a girl but what mm-hmm. would i find down there i've had somebody come up to me and and, and, and ask me like it, suppose we we're fooling around what would i find down there and it's like this <laughs> 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 to to cis listeners, our uh, our cisners, that is just one of many examples of the uncomfortable questions that, uh, that oh, trans people. I'm are sure asked. we're gonna um, go into more eventually, <laughs> but yeah, it's like just don't ask us about our genitals. Like they're just genitals. It, it, it's it's like it, and it's weird because like I thought like okay then I guess it's like it's not just same sex attraction or or, or or different sex attraction like like genitals are just like one part that people are attracted to. And it could be just as arbitrary as cheekbones. It could be just as arbitrary as feet. The fact that foot fetishes are such a prevalent thing in 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 the 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 world, like especially on the internet, it, it's very telling. Because what we do is we, we fetishize, we sexually fetishize. There's also like this exotification where I feel like somebody like the gay boys in Funeral Pretty Roses, and definitely the uh, the Shinjuku boys, that the Onabi is basically it's like they're seen as like the ultimate version of themselves in 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 Shinjuku boys. The uh, the narrator, and by the way, this is kind of like a little bit of it. There's an English narration, so there's a, it's a little bit of an ethnographic like production by uh, Kim Longanoto and and Jenna Williams. Basically, it's like th- their narrator. It basically uh, says that for some women, the Onabi are the ideal um men (laughs) and why is that and and i can i can kind of understand that because it's like whether you're trans feminine or trans masculine 
you've gone down that journey. You, at least on some level, understand that some of this is BS and you want to escape the toxicity of, of, of what brings us down, you know? So one of them may be like, oh, I'm, I'm fully a man. I don't really think about like periods and any of that stuff anymore. And it's like, and other ones are like, ah, I'm, I'm kind of a man. I'm kind of a woman. I don't really care. It's like the idealization of like the, 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 the trans, you know, feminine or trans masculine kind of like form. But at the same time, I sort of get it. I sort of get why oh, yeah. a an outsider may be attracted to somebody that seemingly kind of like bridges the problems of that that that's, that brings them down their masculinity, their femininity, and kind of but also they become insecure about it. You, you see this in Euphoria big time, which is why I I don't mm-hmm. trust Sam Levinson being a cis person. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, no, it, we're too we're accurate of, of, <laughs> of like the precision of how it explores like kind of like transness. And I think that you can observe this also in Funeral Pit of Roses and Shinjuku Boys and the real world. People like to say that nobody's attracted to trans people aside from people who are like gaslit into doing it, but it's nonsense. But that is a goddamn lie. Guarantee. Guarantee. A lot of those Republicans that are out to get us, you know what they search on porn websites? They search training porn. Yep. We already know that statistics back this up <laughs> like like i, th- it's, I think uh, the only thing more more like searched for and like more watched and, and consumed as far as like uh porn goes i think um at least in this country is incest um <laughs> you know pretty kind of like checks both of those boxes yeah we're, some, we're gonna talk more someday about the the gender weirdness of of incest that's gonna be fun Oof. um like i think like part of the reason why they want to attack us you know, is because they want us to be limited to porn. They want us to be limited to being on the streets and kind of being this taboo thing that they seek out, you know, when they want to sin, they want to sin with us and they want to do that without anybody knowing. And they want everything to be secret. They don't want us to have mainstream attention. They don't want, because if we're in the mainstream attention, that threatens their power. Again, it all comes down to power. Mm -hmm. And when we threaten their power, it's like, All hey, power. you're threatening the very structure of family. You're threatening the very structure of what women are, what men are. You know, we make they may make some modifications to society to be to let things be a little bit more liberating for women and, and queer people. But there's a reason why they're 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 backing hard against us during the pandemic. Like like all the trans panic following the pandemic, it, it makes sense because suddenly we're with her families and we start thinking about things a bit more. We're not working as much. And we start thinking, Hey, wait a moment. I've been distracting myself. And and they want to attack yeah. us because also it's like, they don't want to confront the fact that maleness and, and femaleness it's, it's something that's malleable and it's, it, it's subject to change and it's subject to change for everybody. There's at least some part of everybody that has a potential. Every man has a potential to yeah. be a woman. Every woman has a potential to be a man. It's not going to happen. It's going to be against like their own mental health interests for some people. But everybody possesses a little bit of that in them because the actual distinctions are socially informed largely. Uh-huh. And this is arbitrary. They don't want to confront the fact that they also want to screw us. The We see the, the stripping back of like r- reproductive rights um, because, because they want to keep real women as their breeding stock and on the other hand they attack uh trans women because they want to keep us uh, they don't want us in public spaces they want us confined to sexual clo- commodities to sexual commodities because that's what we are to them and uh i've had people who were like oh my god you're like 
you're you're a girl with a dick. You have you you are you are the ideal. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're like you're like the, the perfect day, woman. People, people um, don't but, like to admit this, but we, like if you were raised as, as as a guy, like we know what it's like at least on some level socially what it's like to be men. All trans femmes have interacted with and experienced this thing we call masculinity being imposed all, on us being imposed on us and like you know we've all spent like we spent some amount of time uh prescribing to it uh performing it or whatnot we have a proximity to an, an understanding of masculinity and that very heavily informs uh both our our identities as, as we grow and our relationships and i think it's the same way with Tra- with trans mask folks like the reason that <laughs> the reason that trans masks are the perfect guys um they have a relationship to and an understanding of um, femininity it's it's a fraught relationship for you know most <laughs> most you know folks that i i've met but they don't necessarily adopt like all the toxic traits of masculinity because they realize that gender as it's socially imposed on people they already understand that that's bad so they don't necessarily go all the way hardcore toxic and based off of their feminine upbringing they may be able to relate to women because they've been there yeah they understand that women are have a rough time too they just don't admit it because society has been taught them to not cry and 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 repress emotions you know i get it because i was there Mm -hmm. i was a boy (laughs) power ruins the people who wield it and the people who are subjected to it this is why we kind of need to have our own like power for ourselves and kind of just like a lot of power is the right word, but this is why we need to kind of like liberate ourselves and, you know, like as like trans feminine or trans masculine people kind of just like, you know, establish our own relationship to gender. And I feel like in Shinjuku boys, these trans masculine, you know, people, they, uh, the Anabi, they, they, mm-hmm. they own it. They own masculinity. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, they own the shit out of you it. You watch this, you want to be a boy too. You know? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like they're cool. They get the ladies, but they're, but they're polite about it. They're suave about it. <laughs> you know, they, they're not just a total, they're not total assholes. And they, they, they see, they sing karaoke. Like it's so much, so much karaoke in this film <laughs> that takes up so much of it. Uh, I, I think that like, you know, with, you know, funeral parade may be a tragedy in some sense, but this is, I think it's like very much like uplifting. Like there's no judgmental, there's no judgment passed by the filmmakers that I can like observe any, any obvious judgment anyways. Um, but, you know, there, there was kind of this, like, this like, underlying feeling that, like, hey, you know, we can't take off our clothes in front of some people because, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want them seeing me. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't really want them seeing my body, the, 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 the feminine body, in a, in a sense. They don't, they don't use the word gender dysphoria, but that's what they're describing. Mm-hmm. And, that, yeah. and that's kind of something that I, like, I kind of, like, related to in, in a lot of ways. Because, like, I've been asked before, like, oh, you know, would you get, like, changed in a, in a lady's locker room or anything like that? And I'm thinking, no, but not because, like, I'm not a woman, but it's because I don't want people... I, I'm selective about who sees my body. Exactly, and, and, yeah. And in, and in what context. I mean, I'm a little bit kind of, like, iffy when it comes to potential transphobes, too. But also, <laughs> yeah. just, like... And some of that is socially imposed. You know, you don't want to confront the fact that you're, you know, as a uh, trans woman, that, that your body may be seen as relatively masculine or... You know, as a trans man, you don't want to confront the fact that your body can be seen as relatively feminine. And some of that can be a social thing because we don't accept trans people, you know, because because yeah. there's so people should be able to transition whether they have gender dysphoria or not. Exactly. Gender dysphoria is just like an obvious kind of like 
thing that comes along with transness a lot of the yeah. time. When the whole question of, like, you know, di- diagnosis comes up, it's like, um, with regards to, like, trans healthcare especially, uh, is I think it just misses the point because ultimately they're trying to decide who is allowed to have healthcare, who's allowed to transition or go on hormones. Everybody should have full autonomy over their own body. Yes, like, and that's kind of what <laughs> I feel like both of these films are kind of, like, going for, where it's like, hey, we're weird but we're we're still normal in a sense we're still human at the end of the day and 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 one of my favorite parts of shinjuku boys is when like the straight trans couple (laughs) is a trans (laughs) is a trans woman um post post op and and a trans man and it's like like even trans people may say it's like it's 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 straight but it's it's not it's not It, it it just is it just is it's a very it's a very queer they kind of make a case that I kind of agree with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes gay people have relationships figured out more than um, straight people. Because we have less scripts to follow. Straight people yep. have. We have less models that are telling us like how to behave appropriately. We love each other. You know, you know, the trans woman was saying in, the, in this film was basically that like, you know, there's more to relationships than sex. Yeah. I don't. And then like, she didn't. You know, she didn't really care that much if her partner was, is, is like cheating on her or whatever, because it's like at the end of the day, they're there for each other. They love each other. And sex is something that, you know, their partner can have with other people. They don't care. Yeah. This is all being revealed to us, you know, and it's like it, and there's almost like this like this really celebratory kind of like way of how it portrays like trans men. And I think it's, it's definitely like worth checking out. Um and, and I think, like, Funeral Peter Roses, again, it, 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 the way it portrays trans women, and of course, like, I'm just using women and men as shorthand. Yeah. There, there's a spectrum there. There, there really is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think both of these films, at the end of the day, they are challenging gender norms. And they're doing it without, you know, resorting to judgment and criticism. They're, they're, they're showing, like, a case for, like, this is how people are. Gender fascists don't like to admit that some, this is how people can be. They're just living their lives. Just normal people. You know, it, it's interesting to us because we don't see it talked about. But, like, Shinjuku Boys should not be as interesting as it is. Right? And, like, what our enemies want is for us to not have control over our lives. To not have the power to live our lives the way we want. So, hence, why Shinjuku Boys, uh, something that just shows just how normal and how kind of like everybody else that uh, these guys are. It's very, very quotidian, and just them being normal people, the reason why that's a radical thing is because that's exactly what the fascists don't want us to not have, is not have the power and agency to... uh, live our lives and be and be who we want to be because what that because what that means is that the rules are fake and Mm -hmm. especially the rules that that fascism and conservatives operate by it's like that's why that's why i say like everybody who is transphobic and homophobic is to some degree in in a closet they're they 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 have gender issues you know you know they want to call us groomers and pedophiles and and like i know it's i'm supposed to like kind of take the position of you know you know, believing victims and, and stuff like that. And, and I do, but I'm, I'm critical when, when they're, when they, when they're queer, I'm critical when they're, you know, people of color uh-huh. and, and like marginalized groups, because it's like, okay, yeah. what is the context here? Cause at the end of the day, people are going to try to frame me as a predator. People are going to try to frame you as a predator. Mm-hmm. And 
Yep. Even just talking, yep. even just talking about these things, it is, it is the weapon that they use to bring it. Like children are vulnerable and in constantly in in danger from predators and, and predation uh, from the the world we live in because <laughs> uh, the world is a vampire. Um, <laughs> it, it sucks. Um, but the fact is that 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 accusations of and child predation are the weapon the one thing the 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 one weapon that all fascists and conservatives and puritans and liberals go go to is well think of the children what if these people are harming the children uh oh this person we don't like be they gender weird be they non-white be they a foreigner of whatever is the children well nobody please think of the children think of the children not saying that children don't aren't in danger of, of of predation and whatnot because you know they are, but it's um not from the gays. Uh, just 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 so just so everyone By knows. And, large, and no. even if it, it, it even when it is the gays, because yeah, guess what? Those uh those priests, those those Catholic priests who the child molestation um that is endemic to the uh, Catholic Church, um they're queer like. I like, like, sorry, they are, but it's not, it's not because of their queerness, it's because of power. Right. Uh, like, I wanna, I wanna call, like, a, a priest, like, molesting a boy, like, I wanna call that homosexual, I'd call that exploitation, I'd call that, you know, like, it's, it's not based off of love or, or sexual, it's like, it's, it's power yeah. play, which is what people in the church do, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it all comes, it all comes down to power. The people who are preying upon the vulnerable are those in power. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like, 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 like I've said before, the, um, your children are sing- exponentially more likely to be sexually abused by your priest than a by member? the drag, the drag or a family member than the drag queens reading to them at story hour, it's... um, or the trans women who are just trying to use the fucking bathroom. And, and it sucks. And it's, and, and it, it does suck. Like, and this is why I think that representation, even in a capitalist system is important somewhat because it's like. We need to change the attitudes of people, but I don't think that we can effectively do that from within. But I think that it wouldn't yeah. hurt to have something that people can actually look at and be like, oh, hey, the gays are okay. Yeah. And the, the shocking thing is that most of the most of the, the media I've found that is that does reflect that that is like, hey, it's okay to be queer and gender weird Uh comes not from stuff that's being made today but stuff that was made outside of the mainstream decades ago the only reason the general public is not aware of how uh queer and trans and gender weird the entertainment industry has literally always been since the day it was started um is you know it's because of the Hayes code like that that was that was the point of the Hayes Code, I mean, is, is to, to conceal that. The leading figure in montage theory was gay. Oh, Eisenstein was gay, that's right! I forget that all the time! Every classic Hollywood uh, star that, that, that you, have, you have ever heard of, um, yes. I think that also, like, when it comes to, like, films, it, I like films being loud and clear, but I think that there is something interesting to be found in subtext sometimes, especially when you're working conditions that are homophobic. Now, yeah. nowadays, I feel like, by and large, unless you're, like, David Cronenberg or, like, or someone like that. Like, if you're making a film about queerness, make it about queerness. Stop beating around the bush. And yeah. because, because in a way, that's almost just like right now. That's I, as I just think that's just erasure. Before is representation. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it, it's erasure and kind of like 
and just like very piecemeal assimilative kind of like I, I i don't i'm very critical of that and that's why also like on this podcast yeah there's gonna be some gay movies that some of you listeners probably have never seen and i'm hoping that like shinjuku boys and if you pretty roses you kind of are watching along with us with this podcast we want to kind of expand your horizons you know like like uh, whether you're like a cinema person or not you know like i want we want to like at least like, introduce you to like some new films and i think that like because i think that these films are what can kind of kind of like turn to them and we can find something to like relate to yeah expand our horizons because you know yeah we're going to explore films that uh you have heard of and you haven't heard of this is probably one of those mm-hmm. episodes one of the latter uh ones this episode is yeah but- next time next time might also be uh like on the next episode we're going to talk about um two two films that deal with a kind of like coerced uh transition um Oh, almost yeah. like for the sake of transitioning for the sake of love which is kind of a contentious topic but we're going to talk about um yeah in a year of 13 moons by uh reiner Werner fassbender and uh hedvig and the angry inch by john cameron mitchell so do check those out as soon as you can so, all right everybody guys girls homos <laughs> um Guys, gays, and girls, and every all that lies betwixt. Guys, girls, guys, girls, and gays. <laughs> um, um, make sure to uh, follow us on your favorite um, podcast platform. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channels, uh, Style of Substance and Vivian Strange, respectively, and give us some money on Patreon because, like a stereotypical gay, we are kind of broke right now. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, if um, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, then links for all of our all of all of our stuff is going to be in the the description. All right. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> that was good.